0: We've been in a series for the last few weeks. I'm, if y'all will let me, I'm going I'm to detour for it a week. But really, we could just add this one right in the series. I mean, we've been talking about our radical identity that we have in Christ. Folks, today's the reason we have an identity. Today is the reason that, you know what, we have hope. Today is the reason that we can live and, and you know what, we can share with people a truth. Not something that we heard about, not something we read in a book, but something that's real. Jesus is alive. And you're going to hear me say this a lot today uh, uh, about this not being a day to commemorate, a day to observe. this is a day to celebrate. How many of you like holidays? Now raise your hand, all of you like holidays. What does a holiday usually mean? A day off. That's exactly. That is exactly right. Whenever we see holidays on the calendar or in our uh, whatever our uh, contract is, we have a certain amount of holidays, it means we get a day off. Now, for most of us, that's all we care about. But when you look at holidays, a lot of the holidays we celebrate, there's some typical things that happen. We get time off from work. We get a day off. We usually, at some point in that day, On the big ones, we kind of gather with our family. Amen? And what do we do when we gather with our family? We eat. How many of you are going somewhere after we get the trucks loaded and we get everything finished? How many of y'all are going somewhere to eat? I thought I'd throw that in there because I know what will happen if I don't. Y'all leave the preacher up here by himself. No, I I know my guys and, and my ladies. They're not going to do that. But we we eat. It's a big. We celebrate. In fact, they've been celebrating by eating for centuries. It, it's a it's a part of being a a, a a person. But you know what? Sometimes after we eat, we we do what? We watch. There won't be any football today. Basketball. It's over. We watch. We watch. I mean, we can watch hockey or or uh, soccer. Okay, that's probably well. The Masters is on, isn't it? We can watch golf, baseball. A lot of holidays though, what we do is we spend more money on something we don't really need, or or spend a lot of money on to give somebody something we really don't want to give to. Amen. I mean, that's what we do. That's what that's basically that's what holidays have become. And for most of us, a holiday is just a holiday. It's just a day off. A day to maybe spend with family, a day to eat, a day to, to have some fun. We we've forgotten for the most part what the holidays really mean. Uh, if, if I were to mention, now this is, I'm not as old as this, but when I was a kid, my grandparents still celebrated VGA Day, Armistice Day. How many of you know what Armistice Day is? Okay, not many. That's what I thought. I'm not going to say that out loud from up here. <laughs> Those of us that are past 50, some of us know what it is. It was the day that World War I ended. It was a day to celebrate, a day to commemorate, a day to observe. There are a lot of other days like that. Uh, Where I come from, and most of you folks come from the same place, we have decoration in May. How many of you know what decoration is? Okay. It's interesting. None of the young people are raising their hands, okay? When we went to Mississippi, they didn't celebrate decoration. But decoration day depends on where your folks are buried is is what Sunday it is but it's a day that we celebrate but the true meaning of it has disappeared over time. It's more than a day off. But what's happened is a lot of those days a lot of those days have been forgotten. Or we never really learned what they meant. It's just a day on our calendar that we get off that we get to meet with family, that we watch some football, or that we give gifts. Some of those days were set aside to commemorate. And You've heard me use that word. You heard Charles use it this morning. Commemorate means a date that calls us to remember a person or an act of the past. We commemorate it. Solemn acts are usually performed uh, when we think about Memorial Day. How many of you know what Memorial Day is? Okay, we're getting better now. But if you're very observant on Memorial Day, there are some things that happen very solemn things. Uh, at Arlington National Cemetery, there's a wreath presented at the grave of the unknown soldier. It's a very solemn act, very quiet act. And, and we commemorate that. Uh, some days are for observance. We observe them. Now, being of the Protestant brand of Christianity, we don't, we don't observe a lot of holy days. That's what a holiday is. Literally, a holiday was a holy day. And in the ancient church, they had, they had a calendar with dates and, and events that supposedly happened on those dates, and they would observe those dates, those holy dates, with, with, with certain rituals and certain practices to keep that person or the the event that took place on that day alive. Today is, I would prefer to call it, today is Resurrection Day. Okay? It's Easter. It's Resurrection Day. It's a holy day. Let's not make any mistake about it. It is a holy day. But folks, if all we do today is commemorate it, we have some solemn little service and I, I guess you, you realize by now we're not going to have a solemn little service okay you, you, y'all are on the same page with me as long as and, and I don't I do not mean this disrespectfully, but there are places all over the world that are meeting and they are quietly going through some observances and some commemorations they're remembering but they're not celebrating and folks Jesus rose. From the dead. Not for us to commemorate a day. Not for us to observe something that happened, but to live in it. You see, the resurrection is not an event that took place. It is an event that continues on. Jesus is still alive and He will always be alive. And whether you believe this or not, if you place your trust in Him, you too will live forever with Him. That is the resurrection. That's the Gospel. That's the truth. And folks, if that doesn't make something jump up inside in you, then you know what? You might be better off somewhere else commemorating today. Because we're going to celebrate. We're going, I'm going to lead you to a place, and I hope you just can't stand it anymore, and you just spontaneously combust in celebration, okay? If you feel like you've got to shout anywhere along the way, you just shout, okay? Because it won't bother me. It'll just be like pouring gas on a fire that's already burning. I, God lit me up early this morning, okay? Early. I hadn't been to a, a sunrise service since I was a little kid, and I can't remember going. I just know that we went, but this morning, when I went to get the trailer to bring the children's department down here, it, it was just—it it, was—it was. Let's see, what time was it? It's about five forty. The moon's full in the west. The, the sun's starting. I know most of y'all didn't see this, but I'm walking down the barn, and I, all of a sudden, I just—this something just came over me, and I—I I mean, I—I I got the chill bumps. And I'm thinking, I wonder if this was what it was like when that group of ladies began to make their way to that town. And man, I, I just had a little dancing party down there in the woods below my house. The only thing that saw me, I guess, was I don't know what saw me. I don't really care. I, I got excited. All of a sudden, that, 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 that anticipation of what might happen today began to fill me up. Folks, today is a day to celebrate. It's a day to shout. It's a day to clap your hands. It's a day to stomp your feet. It's a day uh, t- to jump for joy. It's a day to dance. You know what? There's nothing wrong with dancing if you dance for the right reasons. And folks, if we can't dance, if we can't jump up and down, if we can't clap our hands because Jesus is alive, then we might need to question whether or not we're alive or not whether we really understand the depth of what it means for the Savior not to be in the tomb anymore. Folks, there are tombs all over this world that you can visit, and here lies so-and-so. They are the founder of this group and this group. I've been to Jerusalem twice, okay? And let me just tell you, the tomb is still empty. I've been to two or three of them in Jerusalem. They're all empty, okay? Every one of them is empty. That's because Jesus is no longer in a tomb. He's no longer in a tomb. Jesus is alive. Folks, today, and and please understand my heart. I, I don't have anything against this stuff. But it's not about a rabbit. It's not about baskets. It's not about chocolate rabbits and eggs. It's not about jelly beans. All of that's fine. It's about a Savior who is Alive, not who was alive. Folks, without the resurrection, without Jesus having overcome death and being alive right now, our gospel is worthless. It's worthless. See, it wasn't enough for Him to die on a cross and be buried in a tomb. That that would make Him no different than anyone else. All of us die and all of us are buried. But the difference is He's not in the tomb anymore, folks. On that third day, on that early morning, that first day of the week, He came out of that tomb. And folks, that Savior who died on that cross, who was who was nailed to that tree in Jerusalem, He's not in Jerusalem anymore. He sits at the right hand of the Father right now. And He is preparing to come back. And folks, when he comes back, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess and no one will doubt who he is. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But without that resurrection, folks, we don't have any hope. And there's some people in this room that, that know what it's like to have no hope. In fact, there are some right now in this room who, in your mind, you don't have any hope right now. Whatever situation you're in, whatever circumstances is is, is trying to squeeze you, you don't feel like you have any hope. Listen to me. If you don't hear anything else I say this morning, you have hope. Jesus overcame death. And because He overcame death, death has no power over Him. And whatever has power over you has no power over Him. And He has the ability and the power to resurrect you from whatever situation you're in. Now, I'm preaching the end of my sermon before I get to it, okay? But but I want to give you some hope right now because, you know what, I know there's some folks in here that are going through a lot of situations, a lot of circumstances. It may be vocational. It may be relational. It may be family. It may be children. It may be parents. It could be anything. I want you to listen this morning. Because Jesus is going to give you some hope. He's not going to just give you hope. He's going to resurrect you out of that situation. I mentioned that without the resurrection, we have no hope. Now, you may disagree with that, but the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 17, he said this, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Folks, that's a hopeless situation. If, if Jesus had not been raised, we're still in our sins. We're still dead. But folks, the grave could not hold Jesus. Look at Acts chapter 3, verse 24. It says, And God raised him up again, Jesus, putting an end to the agony of death. And when when He says the agony of death, they're putting an end to it. He's not just talking about the agony of death that Jesus endured. He's talking about the agony of death that's ahead of every one of us and had been the agony for every person up to that point. Jesus put an end to it. There's no longer any agony in the sense that there's no hope. See, if you have no hope, you are in agony. And Jesus put an end to it since it was impossible For Jesus to be held in its power. Well, how did God do it? The Bible says that that it was the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus up. In Romans chapter 8, verse 11, it says, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who indwells you. In other words, the same Spirit who raised Jesus up. Folks, raises us up and lives within us. I love 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 and 3. I was at one of our small group meetings this past Sunday afternoon, and Roger shared this verse, and it reminded me again of how important the Gospel is. Folks, the Gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is very, very simple. I want you to listen to this verse. 1 Corinthians 15, one through 3 Now I made known to you, Paul is saying, I made known to you, brethren, the gospel, the good news which I preached to you, which also you received, in which you also stand, by which you also are saved, if you hold fast to the word which I preached. In other words, Paul said, saying, what I shared with you is what gives you life. For I delivered to you of first importance. I gave you the essentials. I gave you the basic of what the gospel is. That Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. Amen? He doesn't stop there. And that He was buried. But He doesn't stop there. And that He was raised on the third day according to to the Scriptures. That, folks, is the Gospel. That's the basis. That's the basis of what it takes to believe in Jesus Christ. That Jesus was crucified. We saw some some pretty graphic pictures. If you have an issue with that, you send me an email, okay? But folks, I'm going to just tell you something. The sacrifice that Jesus paid was bloody. And it was costly. The Old Testament says that He was marred that his figure was marred. In other words, you couldn't tell whether he was male or female when that was over. Why did he do it? I think Jim said it perfectly because he loved us. He loved us. It was a very graphic, grisly death. Folks, they buried him in in a tomb and their worlds shut down. Everything that they had hoped for Seem seemed to be over. But Scripture says that in three days, Jesus will rise. And you know what He did? When the third day dawned, He got up and He came out. By the way, you'll hear me say this. The angel did not roll the stone away so He could get out. The angel rolled the stone away so that we could get in. He's alive, folks. He's alive. He's alive. And that's the reason we celebrate, folks. The resurrection is not an invitation to commemorate. It's not an invitation to 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 observe. It's a day. It's an invitation to celebrate. Every time we meet on Sunday morning, wherever the body of Christ meets across this world on Sunday morning. We do that not because Sunday's a good day and nobody works on Sunday. You know why nobody... Well, people work on Sunday. But you know why we meet? It's because Jesus arose on the first day of the week. We commemorate. We celebrate that. We observe that every Sunday morning. The problem is most of the time all we do is commemorate and observe it. We don't celebrate it. This ought to be a hallelujah come-apart party every time we get together. We're alive. We're not dead. I'm alive. I deserve to die. I deserve to go to hell. I don't know about y'all. I I can't speak for y'all, but when the bus loads up, I'm supposed to be the first one on it. I could drive the bus. But you know what? I'm not going to hell because my Savior paid for my sins. And He's alive today. He's alive Romans chapter 10, verse 17, declares this. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. I will say that again. I said this, I don't know if it was last week, week before last, but faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. I'm going to read a passage of Scripture. And I want you to listen, not just with your ears, but I want you to listen with your heart. I want you to listen with your spirit and with your soul. Because I believe that if if we'll listen to this passage and we'll let God speak to us, that faith will arise in this room. I really believe that. Folks, when faith arises within a people, the presence of God gets real close. And the power of God just kind of comes. And then God does what He wants to do in us. See, my job's not to get you down to the front. My job is to give you the Word of God and prepare so that His Spirit can come and heal us and fix us. How many of you need fixing this morning? I do. I've got stuff in my life that needs to be fixed. It doesn't need to be rebuilt, renovated. It needs to be knocked down, destroyed, and, and put back brand new. And folks, when faith begins to rise in us. You see, Christianity is not just a, a, a mental religion. It's an experiential faith. It's something that we are to experience as well as relate to, understand. We have to understand it, but folks, we stopped it right here. It's an intellectual thing. And Jesus never intended it for just for it to be intellectual. He intended us, us to experience it. And experience it on a daily basis and so as I read this this morning I want you to just let put yourself on the road with this group of people they've just seen their best friend abused murdered that's a good that's a good word in their minds he was murdered he'd never done anything to anybody but help. He had healed people. He, 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 he had lifted up those that were that were down and out, those that were poor. He, he just ministered. He loved them. He had loved the ones that were unlovely. One of these people he cast seven demons out of. He just loved it. And they had watched him be arrested. They had watched him be nailed to a cross. And they'd watched him die. Put yourself in their place for a minute. If that's kind of hard, think about the fact that if you don't know Jesus, you don't have any hope. They didn't have any hope. It's not hard to get from where we are right now to where they were if we'll just remember back before we met Christ. I want you to listen. It says, Now after the Sabbath, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 1 through 9, it says, Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. And if you read the other gospel accounts, you'll find that there was a whole group of women that went. I, I'm not sure how many. One one group mentions Salome, and another group mentions Joanna, and another mentions there was a group of ladies. There was a group of women. They came to look at the grave. In other words, they got up before the sun rose. And they headed to the tomb. They didn't care what kind of danger there was. They didn't care what was going on. They went to check on the body of their Lord. And behold, I love the way the Bible and behold. We read that and we just kind of go right over it. And behold. In other words, the writer here is saying you need to stop and pause here a minute. Okay? It's dark, but all of a sudden it ain't dark anymore. The ground starts to shake. It says, And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the sun and sat on it. And his appearance was as lightning, and his garments as white as snow. And the guard shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The ground began to shake. It's the middle. I mean, it's, it's, it's early in the morning. I was going to say the middle of the night. For, for most people, it's the middle of the night. The ground starts to shake. You're out there with a sword and a spear, and your job is to guard a tomb where they just put a guy who was crucified so his disciples can't steal him. I mean, you're just not going to sneak up on this group of people. You're not just going to roll this stone away and make no noise. So they've got a pretty cush job. And all of a sudden the ground begins to shake. And the sky lights up. And this angel comes down. And, and those stones were pretty good size. Some of them this thick. Some of them this high. And that angel, it, doesn't, it, 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 it says he came and he rolled away the stone. And then he sat down on it. His work's done. And these soldiers, you know what they did? They passed out. That's probably what every one of us would have done too. They passed out. Literally, it scared them so bad they passed out. So when these ladies get to that tomb, I don't know if they've seen a flash of light. I don't know if they felt the ground shake. I kind of think they did. But when they get to the tomb, the stones moved. The soldiers are strong on the grass all over the place like there's been a battle. And it says, and the angel answered. Now, they haven't even asked a question yet, but he knows that the question that's in there, what about Jesus? What about Jesus? And he answered and he said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. I love the way Luke puts it. He says, why do you seek the living one among the dead? And then, folks, the sentence that changed history. It's in all four of the Gospels. The angel says, He is not here, for He has risen. Y'all didn't hear that. Y'all didn't get that. He's not here. He has risen. Now they'd seen Jesus raise three people up from the dead, but they'd never been to the cemetery And the grave open, and the one who'd been there not. It never happened like that before. He the angel says, He is not here. He has risen. There's no argument, okay? It's decisive. He declares this He has risen. And then he says this come, come on in, and see the place where he was lying. And go quickly. And tell His disciples that He's risen from the dead. And behold, here's another behold. And behold, He's going before you into Galilee. There you will see Him. Behold, I have told you. I don't know how tall this angel was, but I doubt he was about 5 feet 5. I bet he was 10 feet tall. Okay, that's just my sanctified imagination, but I bet he looked like he was 25 feet tall to those ladies. Behold... I have told you. And they departed quickly from the tomb with, with fear. And, and the fear there is, a, is, is the word for an awe. It wasn't that they were terrified. It was they were just, they were dumbstruck. Their mouths were on the ground. They were shocked. And they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they came up and took hold of His feet and worshipped Him. Folks, that is the finishing touch of the Gospel. He died on the cross. He was buried in the tomb. But He's alive. You remember, an angel heralded His birth. Now an angel heralds the resurrection. He's alive. You can read the same story in the Gospel of Mark. You can read it in Luke. You can read it in John. You hear about it in Acts. Wherever Paul preached, he preached the resurrection. Wherever Peter preached, he preached the resurrection. Where any of the disciples preached, they preached the resurrection. They told this story. Some of the accounts... There's a little bit of difference, a little nuance here and a little nuance there. And when you put them all together, it's a rich story. They don't contradict themselves because the bottom line is He ain't in the grave anymore. He's alive. He's not dead. He's alive. And folks, that statement changed everything. And it's the reason we celebrate not a day, but a risen Savior. But to celebrate it, you have to accept it. Now, so what do you mean by accept? Believe it. Folks, this is not something that a bunch of disciples who were overwrought with grief wrote. This is not a fairy tale that we, we tell ourselves when everything's going bad so that we'll feel better. This, this is not a myth. This is not like most of the garbage and mythology you read, this is truth. This is truth. There's there's nobody in the tomb. It blew these ladies' minds. Put yourself in that position. They, they go to that tomb. The last picture they had seen was of a mangled, beaten body wrapped in some sheets and some linen. They saw Joseph... And they saw Nicodemus lay his body inside that tomb on a shelf. And they saw the soldiers roll the door back and seal it. That's the last picture they had. The sun's not even up yet. Think about how shocked they must have been. They'd seen Jesus die up close. and they'd seen They had seen it personally. Folks, it's these ladies right here are the ladies who stood at the cross from the time it began to the time it ended. They didn't run away like the disciples. They stayed right there. They hung in there. They watched every breath He took. They watched every drop of blood drop out of His body. They watched Him suffer. They saw it when His hands and His feet were nailed to that cross. They saw it when the soldier pierced His side with a spear. There wasn't any question in their minds that He was dead. Now, there's there's people that will tell you, well, now, Jesus didn't really die. He just kind of swooned when He was on the cross, and when they buried Him in that cool tomb, He revived Himself and He got out. That's pretty laughable. I mean, it really is. You just think about it. It wasn't a bunch of hee-haws that crucified him. This was the Roman army. These are the guys who had made this into a specialty. They knew how to inflict the most pain for the longest amount of time to get the very most suffering they could out of an individual. They had practiced this for years and years and years. Nobody who was nailed to a cross, ever came off alive. And to make sure... See, crucifixion, we've got this idea that it only lasted a few hours. A typical crucifixion went on for days and days and days. Because they didn't typically beat them like they beat Jesus. And it's a a gory thing. I'm not going to go into it. But it literally would last for days. But because it was a holy day, it was about to be a holy day, a very holy Sabbath, because it's about to be uh, uh, one of the most holy days in, in the Jewish faith system, the Roman soldiers came through at a certain time. They took what I... I mean, it would be like a baseball bat. I mean, I don't know what else you could liken it to. And they broke their legs. And on the cross, what would happen is you were stretched out and there was a little place that your feet rested. and Maybe a place for your seat. But the problem was, when you sat down, the fluid that was building up around your heart and in your lungs drowned you. And so literally, you had to push yourself up with your legs to get a breath to stay alive. And I don't care how condemned you are. I don't care how worthless you are. I don't care what you are. Nobody wants to die, so they're going to fight death as hard as they could and that's what took place on there. it was it was an agonizing painful death and what they would do is they would come around when they were tired of watching and they would break their legs and the person would not be able to push themselves up and literally would they would suffocate when they get to jesus they snapped that, that 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 thieves legs they snapped the other thieves legs they get to jesus No need to break this dude's legs. He's dead. These guys knew what dead was, okay? They don't need the coroner to come and take a pulse. They know what dead is. And just to make sure, before we walk off, right up in here. And the Bible says that blood and water comes out. He's dead, okay? If I made my point yet, Jesus was dead. Dead. No life. He's dead. Dead. And these ladies had accepted that fact. And they'd followed Joseph as Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus came. They watched as, as they took Jesus down off that cross and they wrapped Him in some spices and some cloth very hurriedly. And they took Him to the tomb. They watched as, as the rock was put in place and they went home. That's the last thing that they saw. But here they are again. Okay? Here they are again. Why? Because they loved Jesus. That's what brought them to the tomb that morning. I would love to say that they came because they expected the stone to be rolled away, but they didn't. I would love to say that had I been in their place, that's what I'd have been there for, but it wouldn't. And neither would have been you. You'd have been there for the same reason. They came to commemorate They came to grieve. And when they get there, they are the first witnesses of the greatest moment in history. Now, you can imagine, I I try to imagine what was it like, what, what happened at that moment. The Bible does not tell us, but it does tell us this. He's not here. He's alive. There was a moment there when he's dead. And then there's a moment when he's alive. When he gets up. The grave clothes don't get up with him. He gets up without the grave clothes. He's alive. Folks, Jesus is not there. He has risen. It's a fact of history. These women were witnesses to it. Nobody stole his body. Because if you were going to steal his body, those soldiers that were lying around like they'd been thrown about by a, like a rag doll, that were laying passed out from fear, it was their responsibility to guard. If they lose that body, if somebody steals that body, you know whose life takes the place? Every one of them does. And if you read the, the account in Matthew, they go back and tell what happened. They told the truth. And the religious leaders say, hey, we'll give you some money. You tell this story. That his disciples came and stole it. And we'll stand up for you if anything happens. Folks, the disciples didn't steal that body. The Holy Spirit filled that body with life. And he got up. That's a fact. These women saw it. The disciples witnessed it. I mean, if we're in a court of law, this this I mean, if you're a lawyer, you salivate for cases like this. You don't worry about getting paid. We're going to make big money here. We, this, is, this is a simple thing. The disciples, they saw Him. And then it says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that over 500 disciples saw Him. How many witnesses do you have to have to prove something? Two or three? Three? At least 500 saw it. This is a fact. This is not a belief that I have based on faith. This is a fact of history. I'm going to be so bold as to say it again. That's a fact of history. It's a fact. So we accept it. We accept it. And then when when we accept it, it means we, we entertain belief. This really happened. And you know what happens? Faith begins to rise up. Faith begins to rise up. Now, I love what the angel says. Come and see where he was lying. In other words, seeing is believing. Come on in, ladies. Take a look. He's not here. Just like I said. Enter. Enter. We have to accept it, but folks, we have to enter into it. We have to step into it. We have to bend our knees by our head and look. He's not there. You say, well, Nelson, I can't go to the Holy Land and look. You don't have to go to the Holy Land all you'd have to do is look into this text. He's not there. Trust me, I'll bring pictures next week. He's not on the shelf either. I got all kind of pictures. I, I got in there and went slap happy, okay? There's nobody in there. Nobody. That burial shelf is empty. But there's still something there. There was still something there that morning. There grave clothes. You see, we think that Nicodemus and Joseph Arimathea just wrapped him in a sheet and pitched him in there. That's not what they did, okay? They bathed his body. They cleaned him up as best they could. And, And because they loved him, they wrapped him. Just like you, you would uh, a mummy in a sense. That's what they did. They wrapped and they wrapped and they put alas and, and, and different spices and they wrapped his body. They didn't have time to do it like they normally would, but they did the best they could in the time that they had. But they didn't just swat him up in a sheet and put him in the grave, folks. They took time. And when when Peter and John hear the story, Mary, they run back and they tell this story. Peter and John, they take out for the tomb. The Bible says that Peter stops and John runs right in. And this is what Scripture says in John chapter 20, verse 6 and 7, And Simon Peter therefore entered the tomb, and he beheld the linen wrappings lying there, and the face cloth which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. When you read that, you, you, you kind of think that those linen wrappings, just they're, they're not. Folks, that, that those linen wrappings are laying there just like there's a body there, except there's no body there. The face cloth, it's folded up and put in another place. Nobody got him out of that. The Holy Spirit raised him up and gave him life. The message of Jesus here is, check it out. Death can't hold me. I've overcome death. I've overcome the grave. I'm the victor, not the victim. Enter in. See, the Gospels says Jesus died and was buried. We have to enter into His death. We die with Him when we come to Christ. But to really celebrate the resurrection, you have to enter in personally. You can't do it from a distance. You can't come with a crowd. It's easy to come in a crowd like this and kind of sit back and go, well, I've heard heard this story preached every Easter. I've heard it done about every way you can hear it done. Folks, if that's where you're at this morning, you're missing not the story. You're missing the truth and the reality of it. You haven't entered into it. You haven't put yourself in the place of what took place. You have to bend your knees. You have to bow your head. You have to step inside that tomb. And you have to see it for yourself with the eyes of your heart. You know what? We weren't there that morning. But you know what? I didn't have to be there that morning. I have the record of reliable people who saw what they saw. And I have the living life of the Lord Jesus within me. I know what it means to be dead and be alive again because the resurrected one lives within me. Folks, you need a heart knowledge. Until it becomes real, you know what? You're only commemorating this day. You're only observing it. Now, you may go to church and you may sing the songs and you may get excited. I'm going to tell you what, there's a few moments during some of those songs that the goosebumps got a hold of me and my feet started lifting off the floor. Okay? I'm tap dancing up there. My buddy's over here. He's, he's getting excited with me this morning. But you know what? That's not enough. It's not enough to get goosebumps. It's not enough to get excited. You have to know that you know that it's true. If you don't know that it's true, if you had not entered into it, then all you're doing is, is observing this day. You're, commemorating. you're not celebrating it. Now, there's a, there's a third step that I think is vital. And, and this, is, this is the place where you just take a deep breath this morning. I'm going to ask everybody in here to take a deep breath right now. I want you to experience it. See, the resurrection is not just a story to tell. It's not something that we tell ourselves when we're in trouble. Folks, the resurrection is something to experience. Wherever you're at this morning, the angel's words are true. He is not here. He's risen. Won't you just let that let that sink past your head? Let it let it drop into your soul, that place where your emotions and and your and your thoughts Process and 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 your wounds and your hurts and your fears are. Let it drop into your spirit, which was created to hear the voice of God. Let that drop in there. Let it permeate you a minute. Do you really understand what that means? He's not here. He's risen. Those women dead. So they'd seen him die. They'd watched the stone roll across the opening. They'd watched the lights go out, on do hope. They knew what it meant. And all of a sudden, the stone's not over the hole, and he's not there, and they're starting to experience what it means to know the resurrected Lord. And then they start celebrating. See, we, we read the Bible stories And we think they act like we do on Sunday mornings at church. That's a good story. Tell us more. They didn't. That's not what happened, folks. The Word of God tells us they celebrated. They experienced the resurrection. And now they didn't just celebrate. They're beside themselves. Now here's a principle that you find in Scripture. Every time Jesus attends a funeral the funeral ends. You check it out. He goes to three different funerals and he goes to one himself, okay? Because you, you can't have your funeral yourself if you don't show up. So he goes to four funerals. Three of them he raises the person who's died from the dead. And now they've come to really have some time to grieve over their loved one and really have a funeral. And guess what? I know this is not... I keep using it. He ain't there, Okay? Every funeral Jesus went to, death loosed its grip. It had to, folks. It had to. That's what they were experiencing at that very moment. Today's not about a service. It's not, it's not, we're not here to commemorate. We're not here to observe. We are here to experience something. We're here to experience the risen Jesus Christ. And there are people in this room right now, right now, that death has a grip on something in your life. It, has, it, it may be a relationship. It may be something physical in your health. It may be a vocational. It, it can be anything, but death's got a grip on it. I mean, it's, it's, death is holding on to it. It may be your marriage. It may be your children. It may be your job. It may be your past. It may be your present. It may even be your future. You fill in the blank. Let's just be real honest. Death got a hold of something in my life. Folks, I said, does death have something in your life? Does it have a grip on something? Does it have something is there something in your life death's got a hold out of? That nobody knows about. It may be a fear that you have that something's gonna happen or, or, or something's not gonna happen. If it does, I want you to listen to me. Okay, this is gonna take some guts. This is the difference between commemorating and observing and and and, and celebrating. If death has something as as a hold of something in your life, I want you to start worshiping right now, right now. I don't want you to wait on that person next to you or the person behind you. I want you to start worship. I want you to start saying, God, death's holding this in my life and I want the resurrection in this situation. I want you to come, Lord, and I want you to change this. God, my my husband is this. My wife is this. My child is there, Lord. God, you don't understand. I'm sick and this is in my body, God. Lord, you don't understand. Help me, Lord. This is happening, God. It's time for some chains to fall off, folks, and some things to change. Some of y'all, Looking around like a calf at a new gate. Folks, the resurrection is about now, not just about the past. It's about now, and the same God, the same God is in this room right now who stood at that tomb and welcomed those women. And He is the same God who overcomes death, He overcomes fear, He overcomes weakness, He overcomes sickness, you name it. He has overcome it. And unless you enter into it, unless you experience it, You'll walk away from here this morning the same way that you came. You won't be changed. You will just have heard another sermon on the resurrection. You will have just commemorated a holy day You may, you will even have observed, but you will not have celebrated. Because you know why? Until you enter into it and experience, you cannot celebrate it. A lot of you are sitting down and Jesus has saved you. You may say, well, Nelson, I'm just not an expressional, emotional person. You go to football games and act like fools. I know, I've seen some of you there. Folks, we're talking about life here. We're talking about, we're talking about death here that no longer has a hold of us. We're talking about sickness here that no longer can claim its grip on us and kill us. We're talking about freedom here, folks. We're no longer in bondage. Stop doubting, start experiencing. Folks, I don't know where we got this idea. But these ladies were not standing out there holding hands, singing, Up from the grave he rose. Now, there's nothing wrong with that song. But they weren't somber. They were shouting. You ever been in, well, you, you ladies have. Some of you men run from this. But you ever been with a group of ladies that get excited about something? They get excited. They start tearing it up. They're shouting. They're crying. They cry. I mean, they're they're weeping. Tears of joy. They're laughing. One minute they're bawling. The next minute they're jumping up and down. I mean, I don't know if they were high-fiving, but they're they're going nuts. They're spinning around and around. And then, folks, they turn to go, and guess what happens? Guess what happens? There stands Jesus. It says, And they took hold of His feet, and they worshiped. Reckon how they got down to His feet. You reckon He climbed up on the stone with the angel and sat there and dangled them down at Him? No, man. They 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 smothered Him. They smothered Him like a piece of chocolate cake. They were all over Him. Now, I know that freaks some of y'all out and you're going to quote that passage where, where Jesus told Mar, uh, uh, Mary Magdalene, Stop clinging to Me. I have not ascended to My Father. But we read that And and it doesn't mean don't touch me. Mary's squeezing the life out of Him. The resurrected life out of Him. She's got hold of Him. You know what? I lost Him once. I won't lose Him again. I I mean, she's grabbed... That's what they're doing here, folks. And they're worshiping. They're not grieving anymore. They're worshiping. They're celebrating. Folks, that's what celebration is. It's about praise. It's about an outburst of joy, it's about exalting God's goodness right now in the middle of whatever situation you are in. You see, we want to wait and celebrate after our troubles have passed, after sickness has been healed. That's not what Scripture says. Scripture teaches us to celebrate in the midst of it. I'm just going to tell you a little secret. If you want God to show up in your life, you you start celebrating. You quit worrying about what's going on around you and you just start worshiping. And you know what? God will will come and He'll pitch His tent right over you and things will change. I don't know what the situation is. I don't know what the circumstances is, but it will change because the resurrection will have come. Death will have fled and life. He's he's not dead. You're not dead. He has risen. You've risen. Folks, worship draws the presence of God. It's not preaching. It's worship. It's broken-hearted worship. The Word of God says that God draws near to those who are broken-hearted and contrite. See, we're too proud to be broken-hearted. We wear this, this... Shroud. I mean, if you want to, if you want to relate it to to what we're talking about, we've got this, we've got these burial clothes on us that that we wear, and we act like they're 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 a suit of clothes. And folks, they're not. They're filled with death. And until we we throw those burial clothes aside, and we quit worrying about what he thinks or she thinks or or what this is or what that is, and we get one on one eyeball to eyeball with Jesus things will not change in our life because we're not desperate. The resurrection is for desperate people. If you've got any other hope in anything else, you don't need the resurrection. But if you have no hope, the resurrection is the only answer that's available. It's the only truth that will work. Take hold of Jesus this morning. See, we don't have a proper procedure in this body. We don't have any traditions. The pastor's going to preach a nice sermon this morning. We're going to go home, eat Easter eggs, and whatever else you eat on whatever, and we've got to get out of here. We don't have that. We're going to stay on this hillside till God gets through. Okay? Now, you may not be here with us, but I'll stay as long as I have to. Because I came to see dead people rise up. I came to see life come to people in this place. Folks, if life will come, change will take place. You remember the woman who who touched the the hem of Jesus' garment that had the issue of blood? She didn't go, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. I can't get there. She said, get the heck out of my way. And she's elbowing, pushing, and she lunges and grabs Him. See, some of you this morning are, are too proud to lunge for Jesus. You'd rather die with what's killing you. You'd rather hold death in your hand than let it go and take hold of His nail-scarred hand. Folks, the resurrection, the resurrection means that the life that Jesus has, He will give to us. That's what it means. Folks, if you'll reach out this morning, God will raise you from the dead. And He'll take whatever death you've been holding on to. Whatever death the enemy has said, this is yours and you deserve it, he'll take that. The celebration has one more aspect. We accept the facts. I mean, this is truth. We enter in. We experience it. But the angel has one more thing. He says, go and tell. We leave here, folks, with the celebration that our God is alive. And we express it to anybody we meet. They ought to be able to see it on our faces. If you go to the restaurant today, for God's sake, treat that waitress with respect and honor and dignity. She's not your servant. You're there to express the resurrection to her. You're not there to eat. You're there to share the gospel with her if you go to Walmart, speak to the people in the garden center with a smile on your face. You see, we carry the resurrection in us. And we're supposed to express it. I love what, what Jesus tells them. The angel told them to do it. He said, go and tell. He said, go and, and, and tell his disciples. And when the disciples, after he's appeared to them, what does he tell them? Don't be afraid. Go take word of my brethren. Go ahead of me. Into Galilee. Go ye therefore into all the world and tell them, make disciples. Folks, if Jesus has touched you, if you have experienced Him this morning, if you've experienced His forgiveness, His life-changing love, you've got a commission. I've got a commission. It's the same commission that these women had. Go and tell. You know what these women told everybody? I want you to put yourself in their place. Nobody had ever been resurrected from the dead. Not like this. Nobody. And yet they told everybody they met. You reckon anybody threw a rock at them and said, You're a fool? You're nuts? What y'all been drinking? You reckon anybody did that? Oh, I can tell you they did. They put them on the nut list. Mary Magdalene, nut. Mary, the mother of James and John, nut. Salome, nut. Mary Magdalene, nut nut. Double nut. Okay? Because she's telling them all about a lot of other things. They told everybody that they knew, nothing could stop them. And folks, this picture in this cemetery is the picture of where we are right now. The only difference is they chose to celebrate the resurrection. What you choose to do with it still depends on you. Celebration is a lot different than commemoration. It's a lot different than just observation. We're not here to towel a funeral. We're not here to remember a day. Folks, without the resurrection, there is no forgiveness of sins. We don't have a clue whether God accepts what Jesus did as enough. Okay? Without the resurrection, we don't have. You know, Jesus said it is finished. Okay? It's paid. The debt's done. But the resurrection, God says, I accept it. I accept it. And folks, without the resurrection, we have a silent God. He's no different than the God of the Muslims. He's a million miles away. He's angry. But folks, that's not the God we serve. We serve a God who raised His Son up By the power of the Holy Spirit, and said, I accept it. I accept it. Folks, this morning is about celebration. It's about life. It's not about death. It's about life. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you just come this morning and would you take. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.